The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water, Environment Changes, and Your Health. Now, what that means is you're living with the planet Earth. It's not going to live with you. It's going to make its changes with or without us being here. The reason for the show, The Power of Water, is we have lived on this planet for thousands and thousands of years, and for some reason, we have not taken for granted the crisis that is going on with the lack of education about the dry body, the dry organs, the dryness of Earth, and what's happening here with the crisis that Earth's waters are lowering, the table of waters are lowering, and the controversy of how to protect the waters and save the water for the planet, but we also have to consider how to save it for life on Earth. There is something we need to dedicate our lives to, to discover and understand the life in water that could save our lives forever, eternity, and this planet. It's very, very important. The definition of dehydration has been overlooked in research, medicine, and all life on this earth. Dehydration is the body organs need moisture, water, not the tea, not the juice, not the milk, not 80% water in something, uh, the sugar drinks. It's the water, plain water. Our organs are draining out of control. The body has an estimated trillion cells. Your body's cells must live on oxygen, lubrication, circulation, and the temperature. The essential components must be oxygen, nitrogen, carbon, hydrogen equals the protein. Oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, carbohydrates. Oxygen, hydrogen equals the water. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, we need air first, water second. No, no, no. There is no air, oxygen, if there isn't moisture in the air. That's that fluid that a lot of our scientists that have come on talking to us. There is a fluid of moisture in the air, but the air is becoming drier and drier and drier. The show is dedicated because the crisis is important for all of us to learn about ourselves and how we're going to live with water. Did you know that the drinking water uh, in thousands and thousands of schools in the United States of America, they're finding unsafe? Thousands of schools. The research is unsafe. Governor Schwarzenegger is very worried, and he's taking it on a big cause in California. What is happening down there? They are the institution of food on the table for generations, and look what happened. They took the water away. 
when you take the water away from the crops, the fields, and not only damage the economy, but the aquifers below are not getting any moisture water levels to keep priming the aquifers below the soil, which they've been providing for centuries. The Mara River in, in Kenya, you probably were hearing recently, the migration of animals are the biggest in the world there in Kenya. But if the river keeps depleting and getting lower and lower, they will be dying within a month by the thousands, the last biggest migration of animals on Earth. 1.1 million children are dying every year because of water. That's 4,000 children a day. They're, they're depending upon the rest of us, the adults, the people who think they're learning so much to save their lives. There's no such thing as an imperfect child, an imperfect baby. They're all perfect. And they're expecting us and our lives to leave a footprint behind and learn that secret of Earth is what might get, provide them health and happiness and education. Today we're going to have an exciting show. Uh, I want you to join us. We have a very special person in my life, and I think the world of her. She's taking time again to spend some time with talking to us about our eyes. Your eyes are the vision of your life and your health. Dr. Marguerite McDonald is a cornea specialist, cataract and refractive eye surgeon at the Ophthalmic uh, Clinic in New York. She's also been uh, chairman of the Academy Worldwide of Ophthalmology. She's dedicated, she and her husband both, to eyes and health of your eyes, which have been very much overlooked as far as I'm concerned throughout the world. Eyes need a lot more research. Then we, our second guest is Carrie Hone, who's the author of Productivity and a Consultant of the Environment. And her special topic is Coral Reefs, the Green Planet, Blue Ocean, and Coral Reefs Protection. We should have a very good show, and both of these people have taken some very time, busy time away to be there here to educate you today. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. It's an application without using an eye drop for moisturizing the eye, all natural, 100%, just a mist. No additives, no preservatives, 100%, no burning, no blurring, 100% moisture, all natural. Well, listen to Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be back with Dr. McDonald. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening. 
listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Today we have Dr. Marguerite McDonald with us, who is a specialist in uh, dry eye, and she would like to discuss today with us dry eye and bethroitis. Are you with us, Dr. McDonald? I am. Good morning. Well, how thank are you? you for the, I know how busy you are, but this is important, and I think uh, visual education has been way overlooked as far as I'm concerned. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what you believe is happening uh, in the research of dry eye. What are they learning? Sure. Well, um, Sharon, first um, let's tell the listeners a little about uh, the prevalence of dry eye. It's estimated that there are 20 to 30 million people in the U.S. alone who have early-stage signs or symptoms of dry eye, mm-hmm. and roughly 6 million American women and 3 million American males with severe, advanced dry eye. Now, is there an age there? Do, are you finding that younger people are getting a dry eye complaint earlier than, uh, than they have been in the past? Um, yes. I mean, the incidence of dry eye does go up with time. That's been the case. Uh, since we first defined dry eye, but uh, uh, people are on more medications now. So everybody gets drier with the passage of time, and women are definitely drier than men because of hormonal changes, Uh but because so many uh, first-world countries uh, can treat diseases now and treat them effectively, younger and younger people are on the kind of medicines that have the side effect of drying out the eyes. there are varied causes and severities, and there are various things that aggravate dry eye, but it can be a standalone condition. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of different uh, researchers on the show in the last several months. They're talking about uh, the air and what is happening to the air. Uh, and the, It's called a uh, fluid in the air. In other words, it's that moisture you can't see. And if there's a person who's as sensitive to that lack of moisture or not enough of their particular um, organ of the eye, that they must absorb that moisture, uh, then they have a challenge with the medication, or maybe today we're finding more allergies. People are allergic to the air and the climate change. I don't mean climate warming change. I mean just the seasonal changes than ever in history. Is that, uh, are you finding that out too? Yes. More and more of us are spending time in closed buildings with recirculated air and forced air heating, mm-hmm. which makes the, uh, the atmosphere extremely dry. And so that uh, aggravates pre-existing dry eye and can give dry eye to someone who otherwise, if 100 years ago, if they were working out in the fields, uh, would not have had a problem with dry eyes. And they may not have had an insulated windows and walls home. Exactly. There are now, of- are you finding uh, with dry eye uh, that uh, individuals uh, also now were having the computer? Oh, the computer is a huge contributor to dry eyes. Not So not only are we in these buildings with forced air heating and often recirculated air, we're spending all this time at the computer. It's been proven that the normal blink rate of 20 times a minute drops to about three times a minute when people are concentrating on a computer screen. So that is a big contributor. But there are lots of other factors besides age and gender. There's arthritis, osteoporosis, gout, um, previous eye surgery, contact lens wear, um, blinking disorders, lid disease, which we'll get to in a minute when we talk about blepharitis, 
nutritional problems, uh, thyroid problems, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, LASIK, previous LASIK surgery, um, sleeping with the eyes open. It's called Wearing lag. contact lenses. Um, and the preservatives yeah. and topical eye medications as well Can as... Can you imagine the list you just made? Uh, you just mentioned a list that absolutely could have more lists. Uh, from birth on, uh, all the challenges we're having when that eyelid opens. And um, Mark, uh, Dr. McDonald, can you hold your phone? We're getting a little echo. Are you on a speakerphone or are you using a phone? Um, yeah, we're getting a little echo. Uh, I just got was better? told by the producer. That's better. That's uh, Yeah, thank you. Okay, great. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, with... I'm glad you wanted to discuss the eyelid today because I remember long ago when I was in my studies, I turned to a lot of the surgeons that were specializing in not only uh, the cornea but the eyelid around, the the skin around the eye. Tell us a little bit about that skin around the eye and the eyelid. Well, uh, the eyelids themselves play a huge role in dry eye in several ways. Um, of course, people who have cosmetic surgery or who have a mechanical disturbance of the lid function due to stroke or Bell's palsy, that vastly influ- uh, influences the uh, presence of dry eye and the degree. Um, in addition to which, the condition called blepharitis, which is a low-grade inflammation of the lid margin, if, uh, if you now, have... Now, I'm going to ask your help here with describing that to the audience so they understand uh, describe the lower lid there, what is happening. Well, with blepharitis, usually all four lids are inflamed. Uh, they're actually... Now, when you say four lids, describe, uh, explain that to the audience that don't understand that. Uh, both upper lids and both lower lids. Okay, okay. So all four eyelids are inflamed. Mm-hmm. And uh, in uh, the most common type of blepharitis, which we call posterior blepharitis, the lids are so inflamed that they cannot produce enough of the proper oil to seal off the tear film. There are little glands in the eyelids that produce oil. Mm -hmm. And this oil actually, with each blink, spreads across the top of the tear lake and prevents it from evaporating away. Mm -hmm. So uh, the two diseases are considered separate, but they actually intersect because severe blepharitis, posterior blepharitis, can cause evaporative dry eye disease. So the patient's making enough tears, but they're disappearing instantly due to evaporation if there isn't an oily layer on top to prevent that. When, when I explain this to my patients, I, I use this analogy. In Florida, many people throw one cup of olive oil on their swimming pool every day. When you're swimming, you can't feel it. It spreads out in a very thin monolayer, just a few microns thick, so the pool doesn't seem oily and yet, that oily layer is enough to cut evaporation, uh, and the swimming pool, you know, the water bills are much, much, much less for those people who will throw a cup of olive oil onto the top every morning. Now, so, uh, Dr. McDonald, I'm going to ask you, I have never heard of that, which means nothing. I don't know enough. But that is a fact. There are people who put a cup of olive oil on their swimming pool. Uh, yes, not everybody, that's for sure. But the people who know this well, it's trick... A great, it's a great idea because it makes sense. And that's the exact same principle. That's why we have oil uh-huh. in the top layer of our tear film. It's to prevent evaporation and to give us a lustrous, uh, uh, healthy ocular surface with good Pull optics. Pull down that moisture loss. 
mm-hmm. and to prevent infection. When you have right. a healthy tear lake yeah. with all three of the natural components, the water, the oil, and the mucus, then you can not only see well all day long, morning to evening, Retain but you can moisture. fight infection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I was going to ask you on the eyelid, uh, with the skin getting drier on around the eyes and the eyelid, d- d- would that have any influence on uh, the eyes too if the skin is getting too dry? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, this sort of discomfort um, changes people's lifestyle. They, they don't read as long as they'd like. They don't watch television as long as they'd like. They go to bed early. They can't stay up as late. You know, the, the dryness of the whole unit. Can you imagine the anxiety that's happening? And, you know, we're talking about stress and tension, anxiety. Uh, you know, do you believe that in time they're going to learn more about the eyes uh, influence to the uh, just being a, a more anxiety. If you're trying to be on overload every day on having a better eyesight or healthier eyesight or healthier eyes, and you're not able to maintain that moisture level, uh, that all the anxiety that goes with being on, on overworking all day long, trying to keep up with your uh, the healthier a healthier eye. Well, people with moderate to severe dry eyes report all these things. They, they're they anxious. They have uh, trouble driving home at night. Dry eye symptoms get worse as the day, day goes on. So often when they're driving home in the winter, they have increased glare from oncoming headlights. Uh, now, cataracts can be a cause of that too, but most of the time it's dry spots. It's dry spots because the, exactly. the tear lake mm-hmm. is no longer healthy, and it, and all day long it has evaporated away. So many people with dry eyes have learned to uh, re-wet their eyes, mm-hmm. to re-moisten their eyes right before they start to drive home. Mm-hmm. That's a, a great trick. Mm-hmm. But yes, anxiety about this is uh, widespread, and that's been documented in the scientific literature. And like I said, if you can't do your homework at night or you can't, can't read, you can't enjoy your newspaper or your novel or your TV, and you're squinting all the time, I have dry eye patients who come in with headaches because they're squinting all day long. Mm-hmm. And of course... It also leads to wrinkles to, to squint all day long. Well, and also, don't you think that would be attributing to the, a lot of the this out-of-control symptoms of allergies? Well, certainly allergies are a separate problem, but one aggravates the other. If you have very dry eyes, you can't wash away the allergens that land on That's the eye. Thing. The pollen yeah. uh, and, and a small particulate matter lands on the ocular surface. A healthy exactly. eye can wash it away. But a sick eye, a dry eye, cannot. So that makes the allergies worse. Now, you know where I came from in one of our times we've been together. And and I hope there's more research from the moment the baby is born uh, on checking with the eyes from that moment on. And in the, in the, in the, every time the baby goes in for a checkup, that there's also a um, optometrist, ophthalmologist, uh, an individual checking eyes for the children because I think they're growing up into school, well, they're coming from birth to toddler to school and not understanding that maybe the individual has something wrong with the eye. And, you know, it sounds like you could be right on something that dry eye is causing so many different other symptoms that are all part package of other problems and symptoms. It's not all one thing. Uh, that's causing it, but dry eye creates a lot of anxiety. And now they're going on to computers younger, Dr. McDonald. They're not, they're not, they're not saying do not sit there longer than 15 minutes a day. They're letting those children play games all day long. 
Absolutely. To go back and address a few things you mentioned, Sharon, um, it's not a nationwide law yet, but in many states, an eye doctor, an ophthalmologist, goes through the neonatal nursery and checks all the baby's eyes immediately after they're born. Uh, Also, most schools, not all, but most, check vision at the beginning of the school year. It's a very simple test with the snow and acuity chart at the, you know, 20 feet from the child, and they test each eye separately. You believe in, this is like a think tank show. Uh, This is like we're in an education classroom, think, uh, like we're studying all the time. Do you yeah, think and, they're you know, checking and not pick up um, problems early, and that's yeah. repeated every year in the best schools, and in some states it is law. But do you believe so, they're che- it's the checkup is is, is 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 enough? Do you think that checkup in school is enough? No, but it's a great starting point. It's a and great starting ago, point. They okay. didn't even do that. There we go. Because I think the parents should take it right on themselves to make sure the children's eyesight are getting the proper uh, um, checkups. Uh, now, uh, we're going to listen to our sponsor here in a minute, and we're going to come back and you're going to teach us more about some of the things that uh, teach our audience what they should be looking for uh, in symptoms that maybe seem so like it sh- everybody has the same thing that maybe be something very serious to them on some different symptoms that uh, show that you might have a dry eye earlier than you thought. Uh, the word dry eye is almost like two words that are so common but people didn't, I don't think they understand what it really it means. Uh, I've talked to people myself from all over the world. Uh, they don't even, they think you to have a dry eye, you have to have itching and burning. To have a dry eye like you would with skin, to be dry. So let's talk about some of those symptoms and then people could kick it serious and get to their doctors. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing the eye with all natural moisture water. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. McDonald, I wanted to ask you, uh, what are some of the symptoms that the listeners could be thinking of that are not what you would say so obvious? Well, I'm, 
I will list some symptoms, and most patients have some, but not all of these. But uh, you're right, many patients don't realize that their problem is ocular dryness. Some people do indeed say, my eyes feel dry, but other people have a slight itching. Severe itching is not characteristic of dry eye. That's usually allergy or perhaps blepharitis, but uh, mild itching, uh, redness, uh, fluctuating vision, uh, ocular uh, fatigue, um, inability to continue reading or watching television for as long as one would like, everything getting worse toward the end of the day. Actually, one of my favorite questions for patients is, what time of day do your eyes look and feel their worst? Because dry eye patients get worse at night, whereas blepharitis patients, the condition I described a few minutes ago, are worse in the morning. They are more likely to say that their eyes burn if, if someone says, my eyes burn, that is very characteristic of blepharitis uh, as opposed to dry eye disease, though occasionally a dry eye patient will, will use that term. Then when people say to me, you know, my eyes are terrible and puffy and red and crusty in the morning, then I'm okay during the middle of the day, then I, uh, my eyes are uncomfortable again at night, then I know they have both. As I said, many people actually do have both. Mm-hmm. But the good news is, that besides the, the uh, moisturizing agents, like Nature's Tears Eye Mist, there are actual medicines that can help both conditions. There mm-hmm. is a medication called Restasis, which is a twice-a-day medicated eye drop by prescription that causes your own body to make more tears and higher-quality tears. And for the blepharitis, there's a, a, a drop, an antibiotic drop, called Azocyte, which is also by prescription which is taken twice a day for the first two days and then once a day thereafter for as long as the doctor instructs the patient. Some people are on it only for a month, some people are on it for alternating months, and some people are on it once daily for the rest of their lives for severe cases. So, uh, you know, taking a good history, uh, a doctor can often determine before he or she even performs the exam what the patient is likely to have as a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I know there was a description I was reading as you were talking is that some of the latest in research that they've been doing throughout the world, that this, uh, the virtuality of all dry eye disorders is a loss of water from the tear film, that individuals had no idea that the, their individual eyes were not re- uh, absorbing enough water from the air or from behind uh, the eyes to keep up with what ne- was necessary for them to have a healthy eyesight. So the products that are invented to trap and seal the moisture, a lot of people are a little confused, Dr. McDonald. Can you, do you believe that all uh, the products that are out there are good for everyone, or do you think there's sometimes an individual who, for some reason, it didn't agree with them. Is there other? Do they need to go to the back to the doctor and, and ask questions again and make sure they've they're applying the one that agrees with them? A lot of people take for granted that maybe it's the eyes that are having problem rather than maybe the application isn't agreeing with them. Well, first, it's important for patients not to self-diagnose. As I mentioned, there is some overlap in the symptoms. And also, once in a while, there's something far more serious causing the symptoms. Exactly. It's important that they go to an IMD and and Mm -hmm. get uh, proper diagnosis and treatment. Also, there are levels of severity. What you might recommend to a mild stage 1 dry eye is not what you would recommend to a stage 4. 
so the doctor can not only make the proper diagnosis, but uh, recommend treatment that's appropriate to the stage of the disorder. But one thing we have recently learned is that dry eye does get worse with time. Uh, a lot of people were unaware of this, but recently uh, Dr. Rao out of Chicago published a landmark paper showing that without prescription treatment, without addressing the problem through the guidance of a medical doctor, one-third of patients with dry eye will get at least one uh, international uh, task force level worse, which is significantly worse. They will get measurably and significantly worse within 12 months without addressing the problem with, say, restasis. Now, I'm going to bring up a, a, one that I had not thought of until you were just talking. What about what's happening with macular degeneration? You know, Dr. McDonald, I was just did a TV show uh, with the, uh, people for the blind, and I was so surprised at how many people are have macular degeneration and the members of the family, young members of the family, are also getting macular degeneration younger. Well, this is one of the five diseases uh, that we call age-related eye diseases, along with dry eye, cataract, glaucoma, you know, diabetic retinopathy, and age-related macular degeneration. The incidence of all five goes up with time. But thank goodness now there are actually some very effective therapies for most forms of macular degeneration. Mm -hmm. And this is another reason why patients should seek an IMD. They should go get an eye exam. Mm -hmm. The new uh, guidelines, by the way, from the American Academy of Ophthalmology are that at age 40, everybody should start to get annual dilated eye exams by an IMD. Earlier, of course, or perhaps more frequent, if there's a family history of serious eye disease or if the patient has been previously diagnosed with serious eye disease, mm-hmm. um, they, they may require more frequent visits than that. Uh, that is a change. That is a change from previous guidelines. Now, has there ever been any study uh, around the world in countries where there's a year-round constant humidity in the air? In other words, the countries where they have to har- hardly have doors and windows and they're literally living in the outdoors and there's humidity all the time. Have you, has there ever been any study if there how many people are having eye diseases or wearing glasses compared to other countries that have different climate changes? There are uh, ethnic differences in refractive error. There are some groups that are much more likely to be nearsighted, for instance, mm-hmm. and some groups that are more likely to be farsighted, uh, though um, there are very few populations that are isolated anymore. Most, there's a tremendous amount of genet- genetic mixing with mm-hmm. every passing year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there have also been studies indicating, of course, that dry eye is worse uh, in northern countries, uh, cold, where there's a lot of um, forced air heating being mm-hmm. used indoors. Or co- yeah. going into the air conditioning in the summer. Yes. I'm wondering, you know, we've talked about Nature Sears Eye Mist in the past and, and the future of the generation of using that as a supplement uh, through the period of time. In other words, you can almost use it from the baby on um, when the, you believe the environment is too dry. Um, are they finding uh, that education, What uh, is, is there more education ha- available to, besides our show education for the Ophthalmology Academy, are they wanting to reach down to the children in their schools and their health classes and educate them more about their eyes than from the past? Because you know that there hasn't been very much education from, with the children themselves, maybe with their parents, but not with the children. 
Well, yes, the American Academy of Ophthalmology has several programs, and they, they recently performed a survey of several thousand Americans, and they were shocked to learn how little Americans know about their eyes and eye health and what it takes to keep them healthy and how often they should be examined. They learned that Americans know a great deal now about heart disease and high blood pressure. And breast cancer. All the, but they don't know really anything about eyes. I know it. And they, they have a website you can go to, www.getisMart.org. Okay. And it gives a host of information, not only about the five uh, eye diseases associated with aging, but also links to children, uh, children's issues, ocular issues, a whole host of links through the American Academy of Ophthalmology. Wouldn't website. it be fascinating with research, just to research this, is a child who has a lot of anxiety and one of the first things they should do is have the eyes checked uh, rather than taking the child to a psychologist, have the eyes checked. Wouldn't it be interesting if when they leave the hospital at birth they're walking away with just as much eye education uh, for the health of the eye as they are with diaper rashes and more. Uh, I've noticed there's not enough of that. Uh, it's fascinating, because, but it's, if it's happening in the United States, it's got to be all over the world. There's not enough education about the eyes and the vi- health of the eyes. This is true. You've but, dedicated um, your life, you and your husband, uh, Dr. Kleist, and many people like yourself. A lot of times people think that you're practicing every day and and it's a living, and it's a career, but you've dedicated yourself. You've gotten out, both of you, and gone to the world. Uh, aren't you on a board of directors in China also? Yes, yes, and we're, we're doing our best to try to find children with eye problems and have mm-hmm. them treated. Mm-hmm. You know, they said worldwide that every five seconds somebody goes blind, and then somebody from China in the medical field said they would bet in China it's about every four seconds because of the horrible pollution and the, and the problems that they've also had. There, so in, in China, there are very, very, very few doctors uh, relative uh, to the, the size of the population. That, mm-hmm. that is changing, and more uh, Chinese young people are studying medicine, mm-hmm. and more um, U.S.-trained Chinese doctors are going back home to do good things. But, yes, mm-hmm. it is a very serious problem. But worldwide, uh, there is an increased awareness of um, the ophthalmic problems of children and infants, and there's a greater effort to educate parents and to catch these diseases early when they can be treated effectively. You, when you mentioned the medication, uh, if the, anybody listening would say, uh, look at the back of their medication, and it would say this could cause or would cause extreme dry, uh, dry eyes. Well, you know, uh, virtually every medication that treats depression or high blood pressure, or high cholesterol, or irregular heartbeat, or thyroid disease also causes dry eyes or exacerbates pre-existing dry mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to find a baby boomer who isn't on at least one of those. And for allergies. Oh, allergy medicines are famous for that. And, of course, even children take allergy medicine. Exactly. We're having it from very young uh, they, because of, uh, they don't quite understand why, but more and more young children are developing very severe allergies, both to um, in the form of contact dermatitis to uh, to things that they touch. Well, I'm going to throw out a little bit of research into this uh, think tank, as I personally believe, Dr. McDonald. It's they've they've grown into our life with wanting to taste something sweet, 
and we're not encouraging water young enough and enough water, just plain water to drink during the day to encourage the, the, the hydration of the body and the cells to be able to operate with the oxygen and nitrogen and hydrogen that is necessary. These children want to have something sweet. I've had on here the uh, guests from the Lactation Association, and they said, well, you should not uh, encourage, they do not encourage water because the baby, uh, young, because the baby might get full of the water and not drink enough milk. But they're, they're, so they're really uh, from birth wanting to have something sweet, uh, sweeter. And then when they finally start drinking water, are they encouraged to drink water or because juice and certain drinks have 80% water in them or whatever, but they're not drinking plain water young enough um, in our country and in parts of the world. They're going to other ways to, for their hydration. But it's like one of our doctors, Dr. Chow on here, uh, said she, her world is studying water all over the world. She's very famous for it all over the world. And she said what has happened is people don't realize, would you take a bath in that soda? Would you take a bath in the, in the or shower in the juice? Would you take a shower or a bath in the in the water uh, uh, energy drink? No, just because it has some water in it. She said you've got to get plain water, and then the children should start drinking it young, as soon as you can get them to start drinking water. Absolutely, sugary drinks are. Uh not the same as drinking water, and they're a major contributor to the increasing uh, epidemic of childhood obesity, sugary drinks. And, of course, they're going to be obese because they're not, they can't detoxify. And, no, don't you feel sorry for a ch- someone, a child who's overweight? Well, it doesn't mean they're eating uh, this, um, sugar. It just may mean that they're having an allergic reaction uh, a disorder to anything to do with a carbohydrate that's backing up the water and they're not getting enough water to drink during the day when they're young uh, to be able to detoxify. And now on the H1N1, uh, I bet you're, at your clinic you're going through a lot of, uh, of warning signals of people coming in uh, to be aware uh, of, of this epidemic, are you, uh, I know you're in the ophthalmology side, but are you at your clinic doing anything uh, with education with the H1N1? Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the same precautions that you take uh, as far as hand washing and sneezing into the crook of your elbow uh, and not shaking hands with people and not kissing uh, strangers and sharing cups and spoons and all that, Many of the precautions to avoid spreading H1N1 are the same precautions you would take to avoid spreading pink eye, conjunctivitis, mm-hmm. um, and other contagious eye diseases. So mm-hmm. um, we, this just fits right in with what we, with, with what we do every day and our, our mission and our teaching of patients. Okay, we only have a minute left. Is there something you'd like to say to our audience that they should be aware of every day when they're getting out of bed and touching this planet called Earth? to live and think about the eyes, how important the eyes are to their, all of their health. Is there anything you'd like to say? I would say that if you have any of the symptoms I described before, or if you're 40 or over and you haven't had an annual eye exam by an IMD, go to the doctor, explain what your symptoms are, and get treated. We have wonderful, wonderful new treatments out there that can alleviate your symptoms and prevent blindness. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I know how busy you are, and I know you've got patients waiting. Thanks, you have Sharon. a nice day. Have a great day. Bye-bye. And thank you for your time. Bye. My pleasure.
Well, there's so much to learn, and I will tell you what I learned many, many years ago about your eyes. Uh, we're all guilty. Uh, there's not enough research going on fast enough for what is happening to the dry air, the problems of the air. And, and Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product in the world, on the globe, to supplement with just a mist, 100% tissue culture grade of water, no additives, no preservatives, all natural, to be able to have just a mist, a fine mist. It doesn't run the cosmetics. It softens the crow's feet. Wonderful for contact lenses, but every day because of the air is dry. Sitting at your computer, driving. I even get up and put use it when I think I'm just beginning my day. I will use it during the day. I have many people who say they just do it twice a day or three times a day because they know that it's healthy for their eyes like they're brushing their teeth to prevent cavities, to be able to provide moisture back to the eyes. There's, you can't learn enough. So when you're wanting to learn more, go to the website. It's like Dr. McDonald said, and try to get eye smart. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist to absorb moisture naturally to the eye because of dry eye. Well, and then we'll come back with our next guest, Carrie Hone, and listen, learn more about our coral reefs. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Carrie, are you with us? Yes. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Sharon. So, how long have you been working with coral reef uh, and environmental concerns? Uh, probably about. Can I get? I'm sorry. Can I get you to talk a little louder? It might be the phone you're using, so I can hear you a little better. Okay. Um, I've you. been doing a lot of reef con- conservation work for probably about 14 years. Mm-hmm. I've been a scuba diver for maybe 30, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I uh-huh. got actively involved in doing some measurements on the reefs and, and educating lo- local communities about the importance of protecting them. Mm-hmm. Now, I was noticing with my little, I was doing a little um, study before you came on, Mm -hmm. is coral reefs are among the oldest ecosystems on Earth, 
Absolutely. We, we in fact, evolved from, from marine life. <laughs> and it says coral reefs are the largest living structure on the planet and the only living structure to be visible from space. Right, but they represent such a small part of our planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always, it's about the size of Arizona. It would, would represent all of the coral reefs that we have all over the world. Mm-hmm. And where have you scuba dived around the world? I've pretty much been all over the world. I haven't, um, I guess it would be easier to say where I haven't been. I haven't, oh. been, <laughs> I haven't been in the Red Sea, um, but I've been pretty much in all different areas. Most of the mm-hmm. conservation work that I do is down on the Mesoamerican Reef. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever had the incident of an accident where you scra- uh, scratched your skin on the coral reef? Uh, well, as a diver, you learn buoyancy, and when you're, you know, if you're that a we've good been diver. told about infections that can happen. Yeah. Uh, no, I I can't say I've um, had any kind of accident like that, but I I know it's common when people are snorkeling, and they put their feet down or they don't know what's below the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Get an infection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, tell us something you'd like the world to hear about uh, your why you you're giving your time. And and, and and you're called a dream analyst uh, mm-hmm. to the environment. Is that a dream analyst for the environment or a dream analyst for uh, another uh, cause? Yeah, no, I'm a dream analyst. I write a lot of books about nature. I'm actually a life coach uh, teaching people, you know, to follow kind of the ways of nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nature can overcome all obstacles. It's constantly renewing itself. And so I use it as a role model. But most of the proceeds of what I do go specifically to protect our reefs because okay. it is one part of the environmental equation that's not quite um, reached its reached a place where it's in everybody's awareness. And it's, now, is there an endangerment to the reefs like other endangerments? Okay, absolutely. You what, know, the, what are those endangerments? Well, the fact that it's hidden, um, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind, and the biggest dangers are that. Um, the same thing, you know, if you imagine the Earth, all of our reefs are near the equator. They're in specific areas that attract a lot of people for tourism, and also people want to build their homes by these beautiful waters, mm-hmm. and it's these developmental impacts, sewage runoff, um, tearing out mangroves and the natural uh, filter systems that would keep the water clear and pure. Mm-hmm. You know, the, when you look at a coral structure, it's a combination of a plant and an animal, mm-hmm. and it has a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. that requires a certain pH balance, a certain salinity, certain amount of light. Right. It's like the rainforest. It, it's right. no different. Mm-hmm. And uh, even, you know, certainly we would want to protect them just because of their beauty, but, mm-hmm. but I feel... Now, what is the connection to the rainforest and the coral, coral reefs? Because I did run into that one. Yeah. Well, both of them are the symbiotic little ecosystems that are um, processing carbon dioxide, eliminating it in the same way that our rainforests are like the lungs of the earth. Our coral structures are doing the same thing. And so they have a lot to do with, you know, how our oceans, you know, process carbon dioxide. And and the most important thing is, you know, uh, the medical communi- community is turning to the rainforest to study different medicines that, mm-hmm. you know, might be available. And what's interesting about marine-generated medicines is that 
all, you know, we have a lot of microbes and bacteria that have mm-hmm. evolved into these adaptive responses that are basically can't, you know, compete with, or our medicines can't compete with what they're doing. Or and would we just say life, uh, how, has, how is life sustaining its ecosystem on Earth? It doesn't even have to uh, find a medicine, but get into some common sense. Am I right or wrong? Well, 20,000, uh, more than 20,000 compounds have been derived from uh, marine life that are battling some of our incurable mm-hmm. d- diseases, like AZT is derived from marine life. There's anti-cancer medicines, ERA A, ERA C, Dalstatin 10. There's um, painkillers that are coming from marine life. There's Alzheimer's responses that they're exploring. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of, okay. it's a new frontier for us mm-hmm. that can't compete, uh, you know, or, or let's say that some of the bacteria that we face on a terrestrial landscape uh, can't compete with some of these responses that are unique to these marine animals and corals and, and all sorts of things. Now, it says on here that there's, uh, you have, it's home, the coral reefs are at home, home for 4,000 different species of fish. Right. 700 species of coral and thousands of other plants and animals. So the reason they look at it is with definition of a rainforest because it's becoming diversified. They're learning more about what, how to support life on the planet with learning more about what they're describing as the, as the new discovery called a rainforest of the sea. Right. It's, it would be like, you know, spending a lot of money to go to Mars to try to mm-hmm. learn something when we have a whole world be- below the right ocean. Here. You know, and like they study sea slugs and they study toadfish and sea urchins mm-hmm. and, e- and all these different mm-hmm. creatures teach us something about ourselves and something about our metabolic processes. Um, in fact, like the squid has this giant nerve cell and it allows scientists to, uh, you know, test out different different ways that we can explore uh, analgesics. Now, what are some of the most endangered problems there uh, that you're finding? Uh, now we've got the coral reef mm-hmm. as an ecosystem diversity there, but what are some of the endangered species that you're really worried about that are, we're not protecting? Well, it's, it's, kind, it's kind of like this. I can give you the, the basic statistics, which say that anywhere from 10 to 20% of our reefs are dead, 30 to 50 percent are okay, in peril. Okay, then now let's stop for a second. Yes. If we're saying the word dead, that uh-huh. I mean they're, cor- that what they they're call- no longer endangered, they're gone. Well, they're dead and, and probably in a state that cannot be reversed. Okay, and then what is- caused it, do you believe? Well, it's, the- it's what they call coral bleaching, where, like I said, there's this, this symbiotic relationship between a coral and the zooxanthella that, that, you know, one provides oxygen, the other provides back the carbon dioxide, and they have this um, life. When you look at a coral and see all the color, you're actually seeing, you know, the, al- the, the good algaes and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And when the water quality is diminished, either by global warming, uh, by runoff from golf courses that are built right next to these beautiful reefs, all these different developmental impacts, when they rip out um, mangrove, they take out the filter system that would have controlled some of the pollution that would reach the reef. When the, when the life starts to die and the coral reef, the coral looks white. They call it bleached. And what's interesting is that they've been noticing that reefs have bleached, you know, for a long time. But since 1980, it's been it's been a very quick process. 
There's areas like the Philippines where they actually use dynamite and cyanide fishing and they blow up these structures. And, you know, so there's a lot. I think the problem in trying to do do a response to protect our reefs is because these reefs are in 109 countries. Mm -hmm. And if countries are, you know, ecological or, uh, you know, have a, have a, a poorer economy or, you know, not, not a strong government to put, put in place good sewage practices, you know, mm-hmm. then the reefs suffer. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so you can't really say it's one particular species that's in trouble. It's the whole ecosystem. Because now, where one, would they go on the website to learn more? Because we always like to look at our, the Sharon Klein Hour uh, as a research center mm-hmm. to kind of study and learn more. And you're an educator to us. Right. Where would they go to learn more? Well, there's, there's a lot of organizations out there that are specifically working to protect the reef. There's something called reef.org, where if people are divers and they want to get involved in doing population studies, um, they can measure the amount of bleaching that, can, that is occurring when they're out, on a, you know, out diving. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really great children's sites um, that, you, that, that teach kids about uh, what happens when water falls over a polluted city and ends up in the watershed. In mm-hmm. fact, there's a program called the Wyland Clean Water Mobile Learning Center, which is, a, I think, when you teach the kids, it's the most powerful oh, it is. way. You know, Carrie, I am, um, <laughs> I am as corny as they come. I believe, and I truly believe this, there is no such thing as a per- every child and every baby is perfect. Mm-hmm. They're there to learn. And we forgot something along the way. The most important human person in the world is the children. Right. To teach and be kind, be patient, and show them every imagination they can learn with uh, the education of this earth. Uh, we only have a minute left. Mm-hmm. I noticed you have greenplanetblueocean.org also. Right. Green Planet Blue Ocean is my organization, and it's basically okay. an educational vehicle um, that we, you know, we just did, we just enacted um, a big signature petition uh, okay. for, for a specific beach that was in trouble. Okay, well, I'm sorry, I'm out of time. Okay. But this was, a, I really enjoyed this, and I'm sure our audience did too, because there's many things we're not educated about, and coral reefs, I'm sure, is one of them. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share it with you. Well, and if you, I hope to have you on again sometime. Okay, thank you. You have a nice day. You too, bye-bye. Bye. Well, I've told you that on this planet Earth there is a secret because the secret is wanting to learn as much as you humanly can about the common sense of the planet Earth. Now, I know we're getting inundated every day with all of these environmental ecosystems and, and, and foundations and grants and all the things you're hearing about, are we overdoing this? I don't believe anybody could overdo it uh, ex- uh, because the education could not be overdone. You as an individual have the right to get up in the morning and live with this planet with a breath of air. And that moisture that you're breathing is oxygen. You must have good fresh air. You must eat right. Uh, because of the H1N1 we're teaching now and the flus that will be here forever, wash your hands frequently drink at least eight to ten glasses of water. And, and I'm going to mention something to you today, a little tip. Take an orange, a lemon, and a, and a lime, cut them down in slices, put them in a, in a freezer bag, and add one to your glass of water and carry it around during the day and drink as much water as you can. Sleep right, change your bedding once a week, and if you've been exposed, change your pillowcases. 
It's been very nice to have our special guests on today. I can't tell you how lucky we are to bring these professionals on every week. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every precious moment. It's your life. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave your footprint. I want to thank you for listening. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.